Welcome to Elite Six Think Tank, an open discussion group with business owners who share their knowledge, experience and skills. Elite Six is a uh, forward-thinking organisation that gets business owners together. Uh, we have a format that is an hour long and we help people interact. I call them decision makers. The focus of Elite Six is helping you build your business community, not just generating leads and referrals. And the secret to our success is really the support that we do give the small business. What we offer is totally unique because we're not focusing on your industry, but we're really looking at that individual business person and helping them become a better version of themselves. Our unique format really encourages people to talk about their experiences, knowledge and skills. Uh, it, it's proven, it's very successful. People talk about their challenges, their business, and more importantly, their successes. Simply put, we're helping people build their business village. I'm Danny DeHeck. I'm the uh, head decision maker at Elite Six Business Networking. I want to help you grow your business. I want to get to know you, and I also want to share my business stand link with you. So take some action, go to our website, and um, request an invite. Look forward to seeing you soon. Just want to say thank you, Pablo, for a beautiful video about Elite Six. He's, he's sitting in there somewhere. I will just go through some housekeeping, uh, just asking people. Um, we're running quite a few Zoom meetings, Zoom meetings at the moment, as you may be aware. So I'm asking people just when you do come into the room, just try to make sure your microphone's on mute so you don't um, disrupt the room if you are running a few minutes late. And if you do have any questions or things that you want to say, use the uh, the chat box down the, the bottom um, and get familiar with the chat box because it's a great way when we're talking about things like URLs or websites, just as, you, as you're doing them or after you finish speaking, put all your URLs in there. And then afterwards, if people want, I can actually give them that chat box text and they can go look at those websites that people were talking about. Or the other way of doing it is just use your hands like this. And my co-host today, which is Lance, he will uh, we'll work you into the room. So this meeting is actually broadcasted on Facebook Live. Uh, we will have an audience of 1,000 to 1,500 people over the next two hours. So just watch your P's and Q's. Uh, we're not Facebook Live in all our meetings. We're just doing the main ones. Our Think Tank meeting is a completely different format to other meetings that we have. Right, so uh, if you're not familiar with Elite Six, we encourage you to go along to one home group each week. So that means that uh, pick a time and a uh, not a location on your computer and make sure you can be there every week. And we, the other Zoom meetings we have, you're welcome to attend, but the, just the deal is we ask you to try to make one group regularly, kind of like a religion, maybe a cult, something like that. It's good, so if you're wondering about Elite Six, we have two membership plans available. The first membership plan is, is uh, called our multi-membership plan, and that gives you the full array of Elite Six. You have a membership profile, uh, access to all the virtual meetings. We run workshops uh, weekly that you can attend. I've got one for you today at 11.30. And also we'll publish your blogs and broadcast them around our social media. And the other one, what we're doing when we're after lockdown is because we've had to restructure Elite Six from the ground up. Uh, we'll be running uh, social events. So I've got a couple of really good ideas of doing a weekly social get together face to face where you can cough over each other. And that is um, one of them at the moment is we're going to have a regular meeting at Gina's co-working uh, and then maybe go out for lunch afterwards. And that's one we'll be starting as soon as able. So both uh, the virtual membership plan is basically for people who, who can't get to the social side of Elite Six. And uh, so we have three new members from Auckland and we have one who's just joined us from Dunedin, which is lovely. 
So um, I've been doing this for eight years. I really believe that uh, you need to apply the next five things if you're going to get involved in business networking. So uh, when, when you're in the meetings, really listen to each other speaking, you know, share your experience, your knowledge and your skills with each other. Uh, each person in business has a toolkit and here you come and share your tools and help each other in business. We really are about helping uh, supporting businesses. So we're here to build uh, relationships. And as I've said many times before, you can have a relationship with anyone. I had a relationship with a policeman that was about to give me a ticket because I was on my cell phone once. Uh, formed a bit of a friendship with him. And then he decided to let me off the ticket. Naughty me. However, my point is that building friendships takes a little bit longer. And when you have friendships and people in business, it really uh, you'll see synergies and you'll see people working together in other ways rather than just uh, generating referrals and leads. But if you do get a, a referral or a lead from anyone in Elite Six, just make sure that you look after it uh, and make sure it's a quality recommendation. Uh, we're not a lead generating company. It's not what we do, uh, but we do help each other in business and everyone likes business coming in their front door. So if you want this to work for you, don't turn up once a month or uh, even once a week and think I tried business networking and it didn't work for me. You've really got to have a point of putting it in your diary and coming along weekly. So I ask people to come along weekly, collaborate together, and feel free to invite anyone along. So right now, we'd love to get some new members. If you went to Elite Six's website, you will see Request an Invite. And if you get your friends to fill out that, I'll take over, and I'll correspond with them and make sure they're a right fit for Elite Six Business Networking. And I always say, bring a smile, which we've all got faces, so we can use our smiles, a bit of sense of humor. We're not too rigid here. And a little bit of love and that means that you look out for each other it's not a dating agency it has happened my partner's in the window there but i did not meet her through elite six she's smiling good um, two new blogs if you're looking for some help in your business two of our members well we've actually got three of our members but matt hasn't given me a um a blog about how the process works but there is funding available uh, i just received a, a fifteen hundred dollar funding uh, for some expertise and I've actually hired one of our members to help me and that's Matt um, but we've got Julia and we've also got um, Dorian from PK Goldsmith and Fox and they can actually help you in business so it's hundred percent funded uh, some of the schemes are 50 50 uh, so if you want some help and you want some funding um, ask me and I'll point you in the right direction or check out the blogs on our website uh, after the meeting today if you want to learn more about uh, uh, LinkedIn, I'm running a workshop. It's part two of a three-part workshop, but you can jump in. I'm sure you'll learn um, some stuff. So that's complimentary to anyone in the room. Uh, and that's part of my experience, knowledge, and schools I'm sharing with you. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to ask uh, Clinton to introduce uh, Matt Knight, who's our guest speaker today. And he's going to, uh, we'll give um, Matt the floor for about 10 minutes, but it'll be a question and answer. So if you could spotlight Clinton first for us, uh, um, Lance, that would be great, and I'll take this off so we can see um, that screen. So hopefully that worked well. Boom. Thanks, Danny. Sorry, Danny, if you can do the co-host bit, please. Sure. Uh, just, I'll just spotlight Clint. There you go, Clint. The floor's your um, good-looking bloke. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for that, Danny. Um, yeah, I'd like to introduce um, both Jira and myself um, have dealt with Matt. Matt uh, is the founder uh, of Shared Space. Um, he was also a very early adopter of uh, co-working back in 2011, a place called The Loft. So um, he's um, got some, uh, yeah, quite 
array of experience around what's happening in the commercial real estate sector and in the shared space area. So um, I guess without sort of going on too much, I'd like to introduce Matt Knight from um, Shared Space. Great. Hey, um, thanks, Clinton and Danny. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys today. Um, bit of background about myself and Shared Space. Um, <clears throat> started the company uh, around nine years ago. Um, it was actually an idea born out of the last uh, GFC. Um, I recall working in an ad agency in 2009. It was hit pretty hard uh, by the last downturn. Um, a lot of redundancies, which resulted in a lot of um, yeah, space in the office. So me at the time wanted to be the good employee. I, I had a good look around as to how we could try and help uh, help this company get more people into the space and, and help recoup some of the lost revenue and, and probably bring some cash in for this big expensive lease that they were paying. Uh, through the process, sort of realized there's a bit of a gap in the market. Uh, so really formed the idea of, of, of creating shared space in the marketplace that brings business owners together. Um, at the time though, uh, definitely had no money and realized it was quite expensive to build um, yeah, to build websites. So went and embarked on working on super yachts for a year, um, saved a whole lot of cash, listened to a lot of podcasts on digital marketing and how to build websites and formed a bit of a business plan. And so came back after that year and, and got stuck into to building shared space. Um, and initially, uh, you know, it was built as a marketplace to focus mainly on, on shared office space, uh, but has since then evolved into um, a platform with, with sort of nine categories. Uh, We've got you know office space, meeting space, events, commercial kitchens, studio space, car parks. The idea being that it's it's really a platform that if you have any form of commercial space, uh, we have a means to sort of help you monetize it. Uh, to date, we've sort of had over nine thousand spaces use a platform, and we're forecast to hit our ten thousand spaces here, which we're pretty excited about. Well done, mate. There's some. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that, Matt. That's a good intro. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do here, we've just, I'm just going to fire, we've got five, five questions um, we're going to run through um, with Matt and, um, and then uh, after sort of uh, hopefully that 10 minute mark, um, we'll have a, a, a five minute Q&A um, with open to the group. So cool. I'll get straight into where's my questions. So um, Matt, what, what, um, what trends or activities did you see in the industry pre-COVID? And I, I know we're in the midst of the COVID thing, but I'm interested to know where, what things were happening in the commercial sector um, pre-COVID anyway. Um, yeah, I think firstly, you probably got a comment on just the growth of the sector. I mean, if you're looking at co-working and the, and the flexible working industry as a whole, it's, it's seen pretty phenomenal growth um, over the past few years, uh, both internationally and locally. I mean, Looking locally, I mean, Central Auckland alone is an example. I think we've got currently around 50,000-odd square metres of dedicated co-working space, uh, and there's about another 20,000 in, in, the, in the pipeline. So it's a pretty decent um, sort of footprint when, you, when you're thinking about it, and there's absolutely no sign of this, um, this growth slowing down. I mean, uh, a lot of larger international operators are still looking to set up shop here, so I think we'll continue to see this growth. Um, but in terms of an initial trend I've sort of noticed pre, pre-COVID, I think... Um, it was probably just the size of businesses that are, that are now using co-working and, and the big shift towards corporates. I mean, uh, when initially starting Shared Space, I, I sort of believed the maximum number of, of people that would work in a co-working space in the company was probably around eight. Um, you know, given the average desk price, you know, when you get above eight people, economies of scale probably kick in and it might be worthwhile looking at your own office. But I mean, since then, in the space that we operate from, there's a number of companies that are between 20 and 30 in size. Um, and, oh. you know, that's something I would have, I would have not, guest five years ago you know um and uh, in some cases even bigger i mean i understand that sort of anz and deloitte um 
you know, put a substantial number of their staff into the beehive in the, in, in the North Shore, you know. So I think we'll continue to see, um, yeah, larger organisations and, and more corporates take up the co-working model. Awesome. That's great. I guess um, it sort of partly leads into the next question, I, I, and it's a bit of a crystal ball gaze, but I'm sure you've got some insights here. But w- what are your predictions post-COVID for new ways of working for, for both SME and corporate? And I know you touched on it on the first question, but I guess, yeah, what, what, what do you sort of see happening um, or changing? Yeah, I think firstly, flexibility is going to be the big key here, I think, across the board. Um, you know, uh, I think small businesses will start to demand flexibility in any spaces they occupy. Um, you know, remote working will become a bit more of the norm, I think, with small business too. Um, I mean, so it may look like it's a bit of a combination between working from home and a small allocated office. Um, but yeah, I think it will it will force businesses to start looking at, at, at the, the space as a service option, uh, which which allows that flexibility. Uh, in terms of the larger corporates, you touched on before, I think we're, we're going to, I think we're going to see a bit of a decentralisation of their office spaces. So instead of one large company having a massive office, they'll probably have a few smaller offices plotted around the place. Um, and I think we'll, we'll also probably start to utilise a flexible workspace to house some of the staff as well. Um, I actually got sent an article this morning um, from a friend overseas regarding Barclays in London. I think they just announced they're giving up their huge Canary Wharf office space. You know, it houses 7,000 staff. So um, I think we're going to, yeah, I think it's already begun. Uh, wow, the, that's amazing. Yeah, they'll, they'll start to now I think, look, at, look at the flexible options instead. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm interested to know what, what are your what are your thoughts or takes on positive negative press around office and commercial real estate at the moment because there's quite a few mixed opinions around um, yeah well there's a lot of mixed opinions what what's your take on the yeah, press that's covering that sort of stuff at the moment yeah a few interesting articles and the social comments I've seen lately uh, a few that have um, spoken about the death of the office space and death of co-working which is I sort of had a bit of a laugh at and I, and I completely disagree I mean I'm sure anyone um, with a few young ones at home over the past few weeks would agree with the importance of a workspace that's not your home. Um, but also, I think, you know, this time at home has sort of helped us realise the importance of community and face-to-face work. Um, you know, I'm not sure about you guys, but I've certainly seen a drop in productivity across the board in our, in our teams. Um, and, you know, you can't, de- you can't deny I think, the value of, of a face-to-face in a community workspace and organisation working together, you know. Um, even probably more personally, I've just kind of, yeah, I've sort of missed um, talking to people in a space. I've missed, you know, the proverbial water cooler. Um, so I think a lot of people probably feel that, that same that same need to be in a, in a, in a space together. So I, I think it's reinforced the importance of an office. Um, but on a positive note, I have seen a bit of stuff around, um, you know, uh, that it is co-working's time to shine and, and then flexible workspace time to shine. You know, as a... Any, any, I think any co-working space that can um, weather the storm for the next few months will, will certainly reap the rewards uh, post-lockdown. I mean, once this period's over um, and people will be looking for, for, for flexibility and commanding flexibility, that's where I think co-working and flexible workspace thrive uh, and, and the demand for that will, will just go up uh, in, in quite substantial volumes. No, that's good, yeah. Um, I'll just reword this question a wee bit better than what I actually wrote. I'm reading it here, but I've, I put, where do you see... Um, SAS going globally, probably just for people who don't quite um, understand, Matt, space as a service. Could you just sort of explain a bit more for people who don't quite know what space as a service sort of or SAS as a short term as, as offers? Um, yeah, so I mean, it's space as a service kind of a new, new term, but I think it, it, it generally refers to the co working model. It's where instead of, you know, signing a lease for a space, you, you're working on a more flexible kind of monthly subscription basis, you know, so you may pay, it's kind of like a 
using a gym membership as an example, you pay a monthly fee and get access to the space as opposed to the traditional model of you know paying a lease and, and just having to, to own that space for that period of time. Um, yeah, does that, does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It does. It sort of leads into uh, the final question, which um, I guess um, you being a founder and early adopter of a, uh, your own co-working space back in 2011, well, I mean, what, what, what do you, if, if you were to be, I guess, putting your sales hat on, if you were a salesperson and selling uh, co-working as a concept for a business, what what soft uh, benefits do you, would you say, uh, uh, um co-working or shared flexible spaces offer to business owners okay yeah well the i mean the obvious benefits i think are going to be your, your flexibility and affordability i mean particularly in uncertain times um you know you can't argue the, the benefits of co-working and that side of things um however the one that i've always focused on the one that i've always sort of driven home to people is really um is probably the value of the community um you know being in the right space with the right like-minded businesses um, can lead to opportunities I think that far outweigh any cost savings or, or flexibilities. I mean, for me personally, I, um, I actually found two of my own business partners in the co-working space that I used to run. Um, you know, just from sitting next to them for, for, for a year, having chatted, we got along and, and, you know, a bit of magic happened. And I think that w- that wouldn't have happened if we were working from home. So I'd argue, you know, the, the biggest um, benefit for me is really the power of the connections and the referrals you get from working in a, in a, in a space like that. Yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> um, I guess that comes to the end of the questions, um, Danny. So I don't know if you want to open it up to any Q&A from... Uh, no, I do. Um, obviously, I'm quite a big advocate of uh, co-working. And I think what came home to me was the fact that when you work with friends, because that's what we're doing here is building out friendships, you look for ways to work together. And it, it always surprises me, even Helen and Pablo were working together. Um, Pablo's a videographer and Helen's a photographer, and they got together and worked and did this amazing work together for a gymnasium that was trying to do some promotion material. And I just, I saw that sort of bloom, and then it worked, and it works out good for everybody. So we just find ways to work together because we like each other, and you want to work with friends, don't you? So it's, it really is community sort of stuff. All right, so I'm just going to unmute everyone. If your microphone... Uh, background noise starts to get a bit horrific, um, we'll put you back, but I don't want it to be like a silence, so we can have a bit of background noise, but let's see uh, who would like to um, ask Matt some questions. Lance. One, I'll ask you, Matt, where do you see culture and the shifting of culture within the co-working space? An example would be you've got some individuals then you've got a group of corporates that come into that co-working space. How do you see the cultural shifts and the dynamics of that working space contributing or distracting from productivity? I think it's, um, it's definitely up to the space uh, to curate the, the community. And in some cases, I would argue it, it might not be right for that space to have corporates in there, depending on the size or, or what, the, you know, what the space represents. So... Uh, and if it is a bit of a mix, it's uh, the a good a good operator would you know curate the space in a certain way to ensure the position of the, the different um, types of businesses and different areas of of the of the space itself. Um, but certainly, I mean, I think it's having a range of different businesses in that space would add add value to any other business, and it allows many businesses access to a lot of people that they probably wouldn't have before been around or, or, or been able to rub shoulders with in a sense as well. So, yeah. Um, True. And Nigel had his hand up. Your uh, your background image is hiding your hand, Nigel. That's my excuse, Nigel. 
my question was, I know there's, a, there's some thinking at the moment in the construction industry about the days of the big old massive construction companies trying to knock each other out of the park from the competitive point of view, is shifting more to a collaborative process. Do you see that as part of the whole co-working kind of space you're thinking of, a lot more collaboration and less competitiveness? Totally. I, mean, I think from my experience, seeing a lot of the companies that operate in co-working spaces, in a number of cases, we've got essentially competing companies working side by side. Right. And I've never seen it become a problem. In fact, I've seen the opposite. I see a lot of those businesses working together and actually referring other business to them. A lot of times I'd get a project that's not quite right for them. They say, great, we've got these guys next to us and and vice versa. And yeah, I, I think in these environments, collaboration happening more and more. And I, I've, I haven't really seen the nasty side of it. I think it, it's always just people looking for the the best interest in other, other companies and, and essentially sending work each other's way. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just thinking too, guys, um, if you want to rename your profile um, name and maybe put your name and your serial number or your, your business, if you like, in your URL, then Matt might know, have an idea who he's speaking to as well. But if anyone else got any questions uh, there, um, put your hand up if you like. Pablo, that looks like a hand up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, Elise, did you have yours? No. It's good. All right, then we might leave it then. Oh, we have got one. Lachlan? Yeah, just, just interested to, uh, in, in the business, obviously you've got two clients. You've got the people who have the space and you've got the people who would go into that space. But for the people who might have space, what, what, what do you find is the most, um, uh, the, the silliest rebuttal you get? People say, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that because of that. What's the biggest objection you tend to get from from people with space. Do you, do you mean people sort of wanting to possibly move into a co-working space? No, uh, well, it's sort of either really in some ways, people wanted to move into a space or people who have a bit of office space and then want to use that. Do you find that there's a standard, standard rebuttal that people say, oh, I, I, I can't do it because of that, but actually it's easily surmountable. And every space is different. I think co-working is traditionally defined as an open plan space with desks that are rented, but in, in saying that a lot of spaces have a mix of both open plan and also private studios and offices. Yeah. That was, was the one, the, the space that I ran many years ago, it was all totally open plan. And personally, I love working in open plan environments. I, I've always have. It, to me, I enjoy the buzz. I enjoy you know, seeing everyone having a chat. Um, but some people prefer to work in a sort of more private space. They prefer you know, their own, something about having a lockable office. They can close themselves away and go and access the community. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, me and the spaces I had, that was one big thing. A lot of people couldn't get their head around being in an open plane. They wanted their own lockable space, and that was just a preference around working. Yeah. Um, so that, for, for, yes, that was the one thing that I I sort of found. Um, but yeah. in saying that, I think the the, the the ideal space has a good balance between you know, private workspace and also open plan space to accommodate both kinds of of, of working preferences. Right, okay, so people's biggest fear was that they're going to be stuck in an open space with all the stuff going on and that was going to disrupt their workflow or something like that. And yet there are other options they may not, may not have even looked at. But totally, and in some cases, you know, some, if you're you know, a lawyer or accountant and you're dealing with some pretty privileged information, you're probably not going to want to be sitting in an open plan environment. You're going to want your own private area that you can sort of lock away to have some of those phone conversations that are a bit more, yeah, a bit more privacy required. Okay, cool. And, and for people who have space, let's say have office space, oh, sorry, um, what's, what's their biggest objection? Um, 
Yeah, probably the same. Some some of it can be around privacy, um, and so just to ensure that it's been set up in a way where people are sort of comfortable with the information that's being spread, and there's just a bit of privacy where where it's required. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Helen. Yeah, um, Matt. I'd be interested to know if smaller towns are embracing shared spaces, or is it just the big cities? Oh, de definitely. We're, we've got listings all over the country. I think we've. Uh, had um, actually two in the last month have opened up in uh, Fongata. Uh, we had a listing in Westport list last year. I don't even know where Westport was. <laughs> we can work in Westport. Woo! <laughs> um, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think, you know, um, in the last while, the, the amount of dedicated co-working space to open up is, is certainly on, on the rise. And, um, you know, a lot of places which I just thought, you know, probably don't um, have the population to sustain it. They actually, they, they are now, uh, uh, you know, they have spaces available. Um, so, yeah, yes, it is definitely a, a national spread of, of co-working spaces. Well, I really appreciate you coming along today, mate. That's um, absolutely brilliant. I really um, value your time. I'll just uh, carry on with the meeting. So thank you for uh, inviting Matt along uh, Clinton, and what I'll do is we will carry on the meeting. Feel free to stay around. You don't have to go. Uh, so that's Matt Knight from Shared Spaces. And if you look uh, in the chat window, you'll see uh, Matt's website. I know myself, what I'm really looking forward to, I have actually set myself up pretty good at home, but I'm also looking forward to getting some better tech gear and being able to uh, have a sort of like a satellite, work different places throughout the week. And I just started doing that before the lockdown. I actually enjoyed going back from Ferry Mead and then working in Addington. So I think that's where the shared spaces are, opens up a new opportunity. So if you're into networking, uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, start working in other people's spaces. And like you said, you, you never know who you're rubbing shoulders with. So that's very good. So what I'll do now is I'll introduce the um, think tank meeting. If you haven't been to one of our think tank meetings, we used to run these meetings in a room and I used to record it as a podcast and then publish it live afterwards. So if you haven't checked out our podcast, you can listen to other Think Tank meetings, please do so. It's on our website, elite6.co.nz. Uh, so today's uh, topic, um, last week we started a conversation about building resilience, uh, well, keeping your clients uh, more than anything. And it sort of morphed into people asking questions about how they could market themselves in today's world. So that's basically our topic. I did try using a mind map to keep notes today. It's just going to be, if you want to go back and listen to the meeting, uh, you will be able to do it on our Facebook Live or uh, YouTube later on, or you can tune into our podcast and glean the ideas that people say. So this is an open discussion. I facilitate it. If you want to speak um, by uh, all, all means, put your hand up, or I'm going to just take everyone off mute. Uh, so if you have got a noisy background, you'll probably notice you'll be put back on mute and that's okay so let's get the ball rolling has anyone had any success with online advertising at the moment that they would like to share uh or have they got any tips or suggestions they think might actually work Ricky? Oh, okay josh actually yeah hey all um <laughs> Yeah, we kind of um, just tried lifting our LinkedIn game uh, a little bit more and doing regular posts, and we kind of had pretty pretty instant results from it, which was really encouraging. So hopefully that'll continue on. But um, 
basically it came about from former contacts who I've worked with who um, obviously was just triggered by having something on, on LinkedIn and, and then got in touch about more work. So it was really good. Oh, awesome. That's what I like to hear, especially as I yeah. run a course after this. <laughs> yeah. That's good. All right, anyone else? I'll just start with that beauty thingy. Good for that. Uh, Helen. Yeah, I was looking at my stats last night with my advertising, mm -hmm. and I noticed that I had quite a lot of referrals from Facebook, and I haven't actually even pushed Facebook, but I had quite a lot of referrals. So it works even organically. Um, even when you're not pushing it, I guess. Mm. Uh, been searching an optimization freak for a long time myself, and uh, I often liken uh, the social media game as Google's monitoring everything you do. And if you're proactive, you do a post in different places and you're here, there, and everywhere, eventually your website will climb up in the rankings because they're looking for, for people who have content that's up to date. So, even though, so you need to come up and get a system around that, I believe. Um, uh, Sir, Sir um, Chris Cameron from um, Box Hit, the new phenomenon hitting the world at the moment. Um, I think the, you know, it's interesting with Facebook, there's been a, a huge hit to the advertising revenue for Facebook over this COVID-19. Uh, and so there's actually probably a really good opportunity for businesses to consider using Facebook advertising at the moment. And they, they have the, the chance to stand out a bit more for a, a lower cost uh, potentially than they would have had before, just simply because their avenue, red avenue ad revenue counts way down on Facebook and the number of companies are just holding off, waiting to see what happens, especially overseas. Um, they're, they're, they're stuck. They don't know what they're doing um, in terms of getting back to the office or not. So there's opportunities around that Facebook and Instagram advertising at the moment, maybe for other companies that haven't considered it to use it. Mm. We have got a lot of Facebook marketeers, even in Elite Six, which is great, and they will give you a lot of insight. But um, being a person that does it himself, like me, I am um, throwing about a thousand dollars a month down at the moment on Facebook. And because I've done that, all of a sudden I get a phone call from the Facebook expert, and he helps guide me and teaches me how to do my own marketing campaigns. So you don't get that; you can't actually ask for that. They, they offer it. Has anyone had, had Facebook ring them up and offer to help with their advertising? So you need to start spending money before you start making money is my old um, <coughs> philosophy. What about some other type of advertising that you could do? Obviously, um, building relationships online is one way. But has anyone forked out money? I know Elise, if she's there, she's been doing billboard advertising for a while. So I'm just wondering, is that obviously you've got your billboards stuck somewhere? Or are they moving them around again now? I have no idea. Has been working for you? Yes, it has. Um, we also do radio advertising as well. So we do radio, um, billboard, Facebook, Instagram, a little bit on LinkedIn. I need to get better at that one. Um, but we've definitely noticed we've been doing lives every day during lockdown. Um, and we've definitely noticed a massive increase in our Facebook uh, following. Mm. And um, we're still trying to figure out how to get, uh, what do you call it when they're like writing and commenting and stuff? Engagement? Uh, not quite, but yeah, same kind of thing. So, we, but we, yeah, our, our stats are looking insane from Facebook from just doing our consistent lives. 
um, and just trying to get the message out there. And it's not just me now, it's the whole team which is doing, which I think is really good for our brand to kind of broaden what we're doing and who we're targeting. Yes, that's really cool. Just, uh, some people might not know you here. Do you want to tell people about your electric hairdryer business that you have? Me? Yeah. Ah. Well, I definitely don't have an electric hairdrying business. Um, it's a lease here from the Mortgage Girls. <laughs> um, we have a, a, um, a finance uh, business, finance, mortgage, broking services. Uh, there's six of us in the team. Um, we have been expanding. I've been with Elite Six for a while now, Denny. Um, and it was just me and Holly back then. But no, um, we're going really well. It's it's really interesting for us because there's a lot of change happening in the climate, economically, um, legislation-wise. I'm sure a lot of you would have seen the update from the Reserve Bank removing the LVR restrictions. Yep. Um, so... We'll, it'll be interesting to see what comes from that. I wouldn't start jumping up and down and screaming from the rooftops yet because it's still going to depend on how the individual banks uh, use this in their individual policies. Mm. So um, we haven't had any updates yet from any banks, so I'd imagine there'll be a few days' wait yet for that, but they're already quite... Uh, they were A few of our banks were a bit low on capital, um, because of the extensions of an interest only and um, a lot of people got taking up that hardship home loan payment deferral scheme, they've had to hold a lot more capital back. So it's made them a little bit less capital heavy, which this might help them out a lot to keep that stability there because they won't have to hold the extra capital for the LVR deals for the Reserve Bank. But with the economy the way it is, I don't imagine they're just going to let the floodgates open, which would be a bad thing if they completely did, um, but it would definitely offer a bit of stimulus in the economy. Um, but hopefully there will just be some relief that happens over the next days, weeks, months, which yep. is going to make it a bit easier for some people to lend. So, um, right, cool. All right, so just keeping on topic there with the um, what we're actually doing is looking for ways to advertising, uh, marketing our businesses. Has anyone tried actually doing any? advertising that has not worked again or uh, any success. I know one thing I know, is, I know a lot of people have websites and I ask them this question uh, uh, where are your visitors coming from? They go, oh, I've got no idea. So by simply installing Google Analytics on your website is gold sometimes for some people and I don't, if people are struggling to do that then that's certainly something I live on. I can tell you basically if anyone comes along to one of my shops yeah. product, I can tell you where they entered the website, where they travelled to, see whether they read our terms and conditions or our privacy stuff, and then how they got to the checkout. And, you know, and that's great. And then if they come back two weeks later, it'll pop up and tell me who that person is. So that's sort of stats I'm finding really valuable in my business at the moment. Has anyone else got something there they like? Thank you. Uh, Vicky? Yeah, I, um, I'm just finding that um, in the tourism business, we don't know how that is going to uh, end up, when it is going to kick off again. We've got international, we've got domestic. 
we don't know. I'm kind of targeting um, at New Zealand uh, for New Zealand skiing, snowboarding, and the snow bikes. So for the winter, but then we don't know if the mountains are going to open. So there's a whole lot of unknowns. So we're pushing it out there um, and and offering packages. Uh, Airbnb um, is uh, you, you know they're they're actually wanting to help um, with cancelled uh, people who have cancelled prior to 14 March. And um, so it, it remains to be seen. We're kind of a bit hamstrung because I had a guy coming in that wanted to come and work from uh, my, my um, cabbage tree retreat for a whole month. And that was going to be really good. And he was keen to take tours. He said, oh, I want to work from there. And I've had that a few times. Work from the space. Take a tour. Go skiing. Go over to Akira. See this, you know, just take them off-road. Do all sorts of things. But now that's, um, he's put it on hold. But I see that he has still left the booking in pending, which yeah. makes me think, well, that, that's fantastic. Just keeping on topic there, Vicky, um, are you, can I ask you a question? Might be a better way to keep you on topic with that one because I, I, I really want to say, like, are you, because of your industry, you do feel like you can or can't actually promote yourself at the moment? Or have you tried any type of promotion that has worked? Or are you getting inquiries from somewhere which you didn't think you would normally get? If that um, well, I've had, yeah, I've had bookings um, from LA which is really interesting, for January 2021. So what's wrong with that? That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah. Um, when you want to book those people in and then have a system around, uh, you take the money or deposit or have a, a really good refund policy so they know that for unforeseen circumstances. Well, they're already booked in. Yeah. Um, and I do have a re – my refund policy is absolutely – they'll get a refund. Um because things change in people's lives. I want to make it easy for people to book. I don't I don't really mind if people book for a week and then say, oh, hell, you know, Auntie Sanso's had a stroke. I can't I can't do it. Mm. Then I, I'm more than happy to refund money. That that's absolutely not a problem. Things happen in life. We'll just keep moving around, uh, Vicky, if you don't mind, so we can get the room people talking. Sure. Uh, but uh, we just try to stay on top of the can people, so that'd be cool because it really is about looking for ways to advertise ourselves. So Mark, you've got your hand up. Let's go for you. No, I haven't. You have. I can see your hands up. <laughs> right, there are my hands. <laughs> uh, Mark Granville. There you go, Mark. Yeah, g'day, Danny. Yeah, talking about marketing. Where was I going with that? So there's a couple of places that uh, we've had some success on, and that is um, uh, paying for marketing through the press. We've put a couple of dollars through. I don't normally advocate the press, and that's mainly because uh, the only reason I've put some money into it for the last three weeks is because I couldn't go into the star. Uh, but we're looking at the star and the community papers um, the, what they're doing is they're actually amalgamating the community papers into the star, so which is going to make it cheaper to advertise right through Christchurch. Yeah. Uh, actually put an ad in one of the community papers, which is a lot cheaper, and they put it in as an insert into the star. 
Do people still buy the newspapers? There's people buying the press out there, but um, the star again <laughs> online as well as um, delivered. So right. I think that's that's sort of where my focus is going to be um, over the next uh, six months. Mm-hmm. Taking a deal where we spend an X amount of money and then they give us a, um, a gift card back. So we're getting a, about a 15% discount on all the marketing that we're doing. Um, and that's going to be a gift card of 1500 bucks. Um, by the time we actually, it's more than 15%. No, it'd be 15%. So we're putting 10 grand into it. We're putting a decent chunk of money through that direction. Right. Uh, the other thing that I, so, and what I have traditionally done every year is a, a billboard. And we put 10,000 bucks into the billboard last year. I think it was very good, but this year I'm very apprehensive because of the people. Um, people aren't going to be out on the roads like they have been over the next three or four months. You should advertise at McDonald's, Mark. Have you thought about doing that? That would be sort of a, <laughs> around your demographics of clients as well, wouldn't it? Well, we just use the branded car and park in the line. <laughs> Two hands of free advertising for a bunch of large fries. Yeah, but again, I, I think the Facebook um, aspect you know, I mean, you can get quite a lot of traction for nothing on Facebook. Uh, yes, you can boost it. I got a ten dollar boost the other day, and it got me about six hundred uh, hits on it. So, you know, I suppose the more you spend, the better you get. But I'm always apprehensive on spending too much on Facebook, and not knowing whether it's a real thing or not. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, the video that Pablo did for us was a minute twenty long for elite six and the facebook guru has actually got me to upload that video do three different campaigns and he's got one of the campaigns is actually um, throwing that video to people no more than three times in a week uh, the other one campaign is just distributing it everywhere um, just to be in people's minds and then another one is crunching down to the targeted audience i really want and what he told me to look at is the cost for a click and he said, what you can get that down to at the moment, I'm paying 50 cents a click, which might sound a lot, but if you do Google advertising, that's quite cheap. And he said that we want to get that down to nine cents a click. So he's encouraging me to keep spending my $1,000 a month for probably two or three months, and then my campaign costs will come down a lot. Um, but I was just quite intrigued that he's actually set me up three different types of campaigns. So he said a video is something that gets more traction, and I'm, I've always just done pictures and, and clever words, and less words, the better. Chris, you got your hand up there. Just, um, just as also the if you're using content marketing, the you need to be looking at TikTok if you want to get to the next generation. Um, the growth in the TikTok app space uh, last year was absolutely enormous in terms of its most downloaded app, I think, uh, in around the world. Um, it's heavily uses video and short snippets, and it's. It is tricky to get around what kind of content and how you present that to get traction, but um, it's definitely worth doing because the ability to reach, uh, especially the younger generation, is massive through that platform. Um, And going forward with everything with COVID, that might be something to do, and it's a whole different way you've got to approach your marketing and the messaging that you're putting through. Um, There's another option. Uh, and um, I'm a bit of a TikToker myself. I went to Bangladesh, China, and India over Christmas, and I did uh, one of my videos has been looked at 250,000 times, but it was a seven-second video that I put together on my phone in real time and broadcasted. 
So it doesn't necessarily have to be a super high quality one. Uh, the old saying I believe is, um, is it jab, 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 punch? So you can, like with Pablo's video, for example, that's gold to me because now I've got a high quality video that I can use. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm jabbing people all the time. Uh, I did see Mark Scon, 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 sorry, mate, never get your name right. Love you like a brother. Um, you had your hand up there for a bit. No, I didn't. Scratching yeah. my nose. It's decent. Big nose. You've got the ears. Hey, um, yeah, you had your hand up. Uh, yep. Uh, also, our visitors from Auckland. Uh, Vicky, I'll just uh, go to our visitors in Auckland if you don't mind. Um, sorry, I'm not, I said Steph and Janelle. <laughs> it's okay don't worry i just wanted to ask does anybody use google advertising because everybody's mentioned just facebook and linkedin um we've tried it a few times and it's it's kind of hot and cold on on our side when we run our campaigns so it seems like facebook and linkedin are the most popular yeah i can offer some wisdom anyone else want to have a go with that one chris oh i think i think bang for buck uh, Facebook and Instagram are, are, are better options than Google, uh, just in terms of your spend. Yeah. Um, the the overall cost and the reach you can get, um, it's a lot less. But you do need to be very. Uh, it's not like it's not like you can just put it up there and leave it. You need to be watching and adjusting your demographics and targeting correctly yeah. uh, through those platforms to correct audiences. If you check on um, your Google advertising. Um, you know, there's lots of options of the product, the product listing instead of adverts. Um, but there's a that medium uh, inherently is more expensive, and so therefore you've got to really, really be careful because you can just chuck money down the Google black hole uh, quite quickly um, if you're not monitoring the advert, if it's working, uh, what keywords you're chasing, um, and how that overall is performing. Whether you're doing display ads or whether you're doing um, uh, just paid text ads, where you're chasing those, you really need to be on top of Google, I think, to maximize that. It's still a great platform to advertise through, but it's so well known and so many players in that space now, you've you've got to be absolutely on your ball to be able to get, get cut through. Whereas you can do, I feel personally myself, like we find better targeting uh, through Facebook than we do through Google uh, because of the demographics and the audience that we're chasing. But all, in the end, it all comes down to where your audience is yeah. and who your customer is. Because if there's no point going Facebook and Instagram if all your audience is on LinkedIn. One thing I've, I use um, Google AdWords for is brand recognition more than anything. So if somebody searches Elite Six, I always want to make sure I'm at the top regardless if it's paid or free. But then if I did an awareness campaign of the, the phrase business networking, which is not what I really want to go after, more business support. I'm, I'm educating the world and I'm paying a lot for that education. But whether it's my targeted audience, it's going to cost me a, a real deep pocket stuff to you know, educate people online. But I just want it when people search Elite Six to make sure that endorses my name and my brand. Um, who else has uh, got any experience on that? Lance? Yeah, I'll add into that one. Just reverse engineered a campaign two weeks ago what was happening is that the address that the business was associated with on the campaign was incorrect. So it was a case of uh, having to remedy that. But what it ended up doing was hijacking the uh, the response of the business where the address was correct. So you can actually use it for a, a bit of a, um, 
uh, a false negative in some respects. It, it's very powerful if you've got the right person who knows the industry. And that just goes back to what Chris was saying. Google advertising needs to be set up by someone who really knows their stuff. It's one thing to Absolutely. come in later and reverse engineer it and figure out why uh, is that listing above my own or other way around, depending on keywords and the way it's laid out. It's, it's all about having someone who knows their stuff. Is it the website address you were talking about or the location of the premises? It was the location. So what actually ended up um, happening is that people were searching the key, keywords for this general area and a business outside the area was ranking ahead of because they were using a, a false address. It wasn't a false address. It was a, uh, the, the address wasn't correct. Cool. Um, Helen, well done. Yeah, um, I used Google uh, probably about three years ago and I used it to advertise my Lightroom presets. And I spent a heck of a lot of money and I used an ad agency and I did not get anywhere. And I think what you've got to do is you've got to use a channel. I probably would have been better using Facebook or something or even Instagram for photography. But using Google just got me nowhere for that particular product, I guess. So you've got to be mindful of what the best channel is to use for your product, I think. Yeah. We should take advantage of our, um, our guest speaker today because obviously you've got a brand out there. What sort of, how did you get that off the ground? Was it a snowball effect or did you, um, how did you get it, go about doing that? Uh, is this for me? Yeah. Yeah, is no, it? definitely. So I had absolutely no budget uh, when starting out. So I put a huge emphasis on, on SEO. So I figured, um, don't have money to spend on marketing, but I want to make sure we do come up in, in Google search results. So, um, we, I just made sure that every keyword that was oriented around office, shared office space, co-working, we were the first uh, that, that comes up. And still to date, if, <clears throat> if you Google office for rent, shared office for rent, anything, we come up with trade me above anyone else in that area. And that, in my mind, that that is the most valuable traffic you can get. If, if, you, if someone searches something and you come up and Google determines you to be the best organically, uh, that's been, been the key to, I think, us growing. Um, it's pretty easy to, to, to sort out a supply side of things, but to get the demand side of things, I think, yeah, we, we put emphasis on, 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 on Google organics search. Uh, in addition, we spend um, quite a bit on, on social. I think we put a big focus on Facebook. Um, have used LinkedIn. LinkedIn is really good for, for super targeted. Like you can break down to talking to exactly the people you want to talk to, but it is very expensive. Um, and we also do a bit of a bit of Google display, but um, I think today, in terms of bang for buck, agree with what everyone's saying here. In terms of uh, yeah, Facebook, you're going to get best bang for buck in terms of getting reach and, and getting to the right people. Um, mm. But if if you can um, put emphasis on it, it is quite a, a big job. But I, I I think getting your website to be organically ranked uh, by Google is is you know invaluable. It is it is really really if you know yeah, that's that's my opinion anyway. That's a good one. That's excellent. Um, I, one thing I live by is every website I set up, I set up a Google My Business account. I think that's the most important. And I call it getting in bed with Google. Um, basically, set up your Gmail, give them all access to your whole everything so they can just look through your personal stuff, so to speak. And then I think they like you a lot better if you let them have them free reign of everything you do, kind of. That makes sense. The first bit of advice I give someone, start a company, definitely set up a Google My Business page because it'll straight away mean you you rank. Even if you just started a site, it means at least your business does appear when someone's uh, someone's Googling you. And one of the things that I do is like, if you go to uh, 
1091 uh, Ferry Road, you'll see that there's um, multiple businesses from a shared office space there. <laughs> and uh, so that's one advantage by having the shared office space because a lot of people don't like putting their home address if they work from home. So mm -hmm. then I, I put the address of the shared office space I work from as my actual office. Uh, and it's a great way of seeing who's in the building as well. Mm. But, uh, right. Uh, anyone else got any experiences there? Thank you very much for that, Matt. Um, advertising. How do we watch our dollars at the moment? Uh, Vicky. Got you, I think. Are you doing that? I'll let you I'll, unmute. I'll her. unmute myself. Um, the people that I want to target aren't the young ones, so TikTok's no good for me. Um, I want the, the, the people with money, which aren't the young ones, um, who want a quick bang for their buck and cheap. Um, so, you know, what does everyone think? Facebook seems to be, the older people seem to be using Facebook more. What is, what, what, what's the general <laughs> consensus on that one? I, I could actually tell you, you might need some education actually how to use some of those platforms. I would be using um, tags to, to target my audience. And I wouldn't assume that TikTok isn't a powerful uh, medium. You just need to know how to do a post. Um, and we can teach you some more of that. Helen, I see you've got your hand up there. Yeah, Vicky, I would definitely look at Facebook because you can um, nail down and you can get the age group that you want because once you go into it you can decide what age group to target um, and you can target um, what their interests are, where they visit, blah, blah, blah. So Facebook would be really powerful for you and it's not just the youngies or, or the older ones that are on Facebook, there's a whole range. So I think Facebook would work really well for you. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm using Instagram Facebook, but I want to. I didn't want to do a whole lot of advertising over the the, the lockdown period because I didn't want to look like oh, because I've got tons of photos where I was still taking tours in the end of February, so I didn't kind of want it to look like that I was flagrant and just still taking tours and everyone else's. So that's why I kind of. But now I'm going to crank it up. Yeah, and Instagram for the photos definitely would work because you've got pretty photos you can show off. Um, but, yeah, I understand you don't want to be showing all you travelling everywhere and we've got lockdown. So, yeah. 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 Uh, cool. Um, Nigel. Thanks. Mr Young. Uh, just listen to this. I'm a little bit green to all this, so I'm open to whatever anybody wants to suggest. But a lot of this sounds like, a sort of business to public relationship, whereas I'm more business to business, sort of servicing the service industry type thinking. Does the Facebooks, et cetera, still apply to that kind of a, a market? Or what's the better alternative at one? Let's have a go and answer in that one. Obviously not. I, uh, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Am I talking? Yeah. Um, in doing like the business to business, uh, I have been only using Facebook very little, but and has been working because you know people were still having on their Facebook profile where you are CEO of such and such, or whether you are work for the company or you own that company. And when you're creating your ads, you can target that specific um, people, so you can target people that have on their profile that they are owners of a company or a business or 
whatever. So I'd say probably, um, but maybe LinkedIn could be really good too because you can also go to, you know, straight to people and like Danny does like, the whole connection and creating that conversation going. Thank you. Uh, cool. Somebody else had their hand up there as well. Uh, just saying in my business i mean I, i'm a recruiter but I, I i what i don't want is i don't want candidates i can't help coming it's like people walk into a boat shop saying they want a truck you know all the time <laughs> so 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 that's one of my challenges is not doing normal advertising but i use linkedin quite a lot but what what i've been doing is actually building up a bit of content and that does attract people in fact uh, i got turned down for a recruitment role about three years ago um, by someone said oh yes we know we, we're an architectural firm but we know you've done, you know, 15 years of recruitment and in, in, um, in architecture, but you haven't got a social media profile. I thought, well, listen, well I'm, I'm a bit of a headhunter, so I don't really want a social media profile, but actually I sort of do. It's a funny old game. But uh, I find, certainly find LinkedIn goes to the decision makers. I can, I can, if, I can curate a good uh, in-mail to people, and that does have good effects. Uh, you have to make it personal, though. That's uh, really cool. Um, Helen, um, I got it. Yeah, um, yeah, Lachlan. Even just having a social media profile, you don't have to advertise on it as such, but just showing people that you're out there and you're in business and you're available, I guess. I do have all of those. I do have the Instagram and the and the, and the, the website, the Google thing, stuff like that. But I hadn't had any yeah. content. I didn't actually fit it with any content, and I think that's what right. people are looking for. Because that, the thing is, make that, that recruitment at that uh, architectural company. She was from the generation where social media was everything. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of my workshops I do want to run, guys, is one actually on um, posting blogs because I've been in this stuff for years. Content is king. And every time you write a blog that's yours, then you will find that, uh, that that content comes up organically in the search engine. So I can't read and write, never read a book in my life, let's got 14, all that sort of stuff, you know, I'm dyslexic. But I have actually published well over a thousand blogs on the internet. So if I can do it, find a way of writing content that people can read <laughs> and use that as your uh, tool in, in business. So. I would like to run a workshop in a couple of weeks on the power of a blog and what I actually do when I post a blog and where I put it. Because um, I believe that uh, what you can control is if you liken your website advertising as, as a game. And on the green is the players and they're playing the game. And you've got all these grandstands around the auditorium and they are like LinkedIn and they're Pinterest, uh, Instagram, and they go around the whole field. Now, what you need to do is know how to talk to people in your own grandstand. So talk to people LinkedIn way in a LinkedIn um, grandstand. And then what the, the end game is making sure that you, you're the, you can control your website and your advertising and all your content that you produce on all those platforms should be on your website as well. And then after a while, people will actually show an interest in other people, engage uh, with other people, and then um, they will be curious to find out who you are. And the next thing they'll go to danny.co.nz and they go, who's this guy that keeps talking to me? And that's when they, when they land on the game with the players, they'll actually see um, who you are and what you're doing. You don't even need to try to sell people stuff. Uh, you just need to be subtle as a butterfly. Hey, uh, it's 10.30, guys. So that is actually the end of the uh, think tank meeting as such. So don't feel you have to run away, but uh, um, the time is up. But do um, go to our... Facebook pages uh, and do check out the live performance if you want to get the notes. 
If you do want the notes of the meeting that are in the chat box, uh, flick me a message and I'll ping them back to you. And remember, each week uh, we actually have asked um, um, quite a few guest speakers to come along, so we really do value having you here today, Matt, and um, we'd love you to get involved as well. So thank you for sharing your time, experience, and knowledge with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great chatting with you guys. Nah, awesome. So, uh, please, class, I'll just switch off Facebook Live. If you are watching this on Facebook Live and you're wondering who we are, go to elite6.co.nz and uh, request an invite if you'd like to join us. So, thanks for tuning in today.